dragons are back, and they brought a horrific pandemic. Now, the only hope for this city are two fugitives. This week, A Glint of Mischief presents Dragon Plague by Anna Montavani. Hello, I'm Judah Lamy. Welcome to A Glint of Mischief a weekly podcast where you get to preview some of the great indie books out there. Each episode is the reading of the first chapter of an independently published book, available to buy right now. Now, let's get to the reason we're all here, yes? Sophie Weber entered the waiting room, and like every day, stood still for a moment, hit by the strong, feral smell of too many people crammed in the small space. Anxiety made her heart hammer in her chest. She shook her umbrella and left it near the door, and then did the same with her parka and her hat. A thin but persistent drizzle was falling which would have been quite pleasant against her overheated face if it wasn't for the slag danger the news kept warning about. She hastened to carefully wash her face and hands with a clay-based soap. It was said that it contrasted the accumulation of radiation, but she had the impression that it was only palliative. In any case, her morning routine was somehow reassuring. She looked in the mirror, tidying her dense, curly hair, then slipped on her coat and walked into the doctor's office. "'You're late,' Dr. Salarin received her, without looking up from the patient whose back she was auscultating. "'Sorry, a traffic block on the north door,' she explained, then took a deep breath. "'An infected.' The doctor froze, but did not answer. The patient, a man with very thick glasses, was startled. Really? Sophie suppressed a shudder, thinking back about the ambulance, the police in riot gear and yellow tape with the biohazard symbol. The idea of an infected so close to them was disturbing. The disease that twenty years earlier had decimated the population of the city was officially named DH-16N10, but most people called it the Dragon Plague. It all started with a fever, a burning fever that devoured the body from the inside and that no drug was able to reduce. The patients gradually lost their sight, and later perhaps also their other senses, but they all raved too much to give a comprehensible report. Then the skin would begin to dry up and the swelling start to emerge wide, thick, and dark, covering large areas of the body, particularly on the bones. When they burst, they revealed scales like those of a snake. But at that point, in most cases, the patient was dead. However, compared to a few years ago, the disease was almost completely contained. Safe areas had been established within the city and Every citizen was periodically tested to detect the incubation of the disease. That morning, all who entered in the central city, including her, had been subjected to blood screening. She was clean. 
she had discovered, at least for now, if the virus had returned to the city. What happened to him, or her? Amanda Solarin asked, shaking her from her thoughts. What? The infected. Did they get him? Sophie shrugged. I don't, I don't know, but if they haven't caught them yet, they will do it soon. They are blocking points all over the place. It'll be fine. She said more to convince herself than to anyone else. Poor soul, the patient said, getting his clothes back on. Sophie shrugged. Better not take risks, don't you think? She had little compassion for those who risked spreading the disease. Dr. Solarin prescribed the man a syrup for coughs and dismissed him. With a little luck, he would even be able to obtain it. Medicines were increasingly scarce and difficult to find, and the waiting lists could drag for months, but his coughing seemed alarming enough to give him some priority. Sophie had worked under Amanda Solarin for the past two years. Before that, she attended a medicine course for three years in for two years before that, she did an internship in a large hospital in the Fourth Ring. She knew that once, before the plague, the future doctors studied for many more years, but times had changed. Sophie considered herself lucky to be working under Amanda, who had been a doctor for many years, studied in a real university, and had a high, real higher education. Amanda Salarin was 46 years old, she was brown-skinned, tall, and athletic-built, and would have seemed much younger if not for her short, graying hair. Sure, she didn't have a very easy-going personality. On many occasions, she was abrupt and despotic, and this was the reason why the previous three aspiring doctors left their place. The first day of work, Sophie came home in tears, and by the end of the first week, she was cultivating murderous fantasies. However, she didn't want to give up on her desire to become a doctor, and she had worked so hard to get to that point that she certainly wouldn't give it all up because of some interpersonal difficulties. After a couple of months, she began to realize how to behave around Amanda, what made her angry and what mollified her. She had begun to appreciate her caustic sense of humor, and surprisingly, she found that after all, she actually liked Amanda. After all, the two of them spent most of their day in the medical center, and, at that time, a job was too precious to give up lightly. Not to mention that, for the first time in years, she had found a friend. Meanwhile, the news of the infection had spread in the waiting room, and so did the panic. No one could think of anything else, it seemed. The air was charged with nervous energy. That day, Sophie treated a number of patients— she stitched up a bad cut on an arm, plastered a fractured finger, prescribed medicines without knowing if they would ever be obtained. She checked on Mr. Verladin, a man in his 70s who went to the medical center virtually every week for real ailments or, more frequently, for diseases that he imagined having. That day, he was sure he was on the verge of a heart attack, although his electrocardiogram argued the opposite. His problem, Sophie thought, was that he had a vivid imagination and too much free time. Like many of the elderly patients, he preferred to be examined by Sophie rather than Amanda, because she was more patient and listened to him. Amanda, despite being a brilliant doctor, 
did not really want to spend time listening to old people's complaints. Once you understand what ails them, cut them short, she always warned. We are the only medical center in the radius of 50 kilometers. We cannot start providing psychological support, too. Sophie knew she was right, but she always found keeping the hard line difficult. In any case, on a day like that, a presence of Verlidian was almost a welcome distraction. During the whole day, Sophie tried to keep herself busy and not think about the infected, which had been found just a few blocks from there. She washed her hands repeatedly as if the gesture could keep away the virus. She knew it wasn't so. The disease was transmitted by contact, even through fabric, and once it had settled on the skin, there was nothing left to do. The incubation lasted about a month, without any discernible symptoms, but it was highly contagious. When the fever began to rise, it was already too late. Not everyone caught it, however. There had been a long debate about people immune to infection, although many doctors claimed that it was an urban legend. Some said that anyone who came into contact with the pathogen agent became ill, but that did not stop people like her hoping to save themselves. Maybe she was immune. Maybe she shouldn't worry. Maybe... What are you doing? Amanda interrupted her, approaching the basin. I'm just washing my hands, she answered. Amanda raised an eyebrow. For a quarter of an hour? Sophie didn't answer. It was stupid, she knew, but she had to do something to reassure herself she had been keeping the disease at bay. Amanda rolled her eyes. You were tested this very morning. You are not infected. I know, she nodded. Actually, she had come in contact with at least 50 people in the course of the morning. Anyway, paranoia is useless. I know, Sophie repeated. If you are so scared of disease, maybe this is not the right job for you. I'm not scared, Sophie interrupted her. I'm just worried because of the dragon plague, like anyone who with some common sense. Amanda sighed. Put the plastic gloves on. They prevent the passage of the virus. Sophie shrugged. Yeah, I always do, but it's not certain they prevent it. Some say there is no way to stop the virus. The gloves and such don't rely on any other protection. They do work. Don't worry, Amanda assured her, looking smug. When you're done, come and help me in the lab. Lucas has got coffee. Sophie opened her eyes wide. Really? Coffee? Wow. The ration cards rarely allowed one to purchase luxury products like coffee. While commonly found in the black market, it was quite expensive. Lucas Bonnet, the lab technician, was in charge of the analysis. He was tall, blonde, and rather handsome, as many of the patients had noticed. It was such a pity that his work did not include any contact with the public, Sophie thought, because his presence would be a great advertisement for any commercial enterprise. Lucas, have you finished the analysis that I asked you to do yesterday? They are very urgent, the doctor said, entering the lab. He smiled proudly. They have been ready since last night. But why didn't you tell me? Lucas' smile faltered. I haven't thought about it. While the technician went to get the papers, Amanda whispered, Remind me why I hired him. 
Sophie shrugged. He's ornamental, she said. Yeah, there's that, Amanda sighed. He can't be clever, too. It would just be unfair. After accepting the papers from Lucas, Amanda poured out three cups of coffee. It was strong and dark, and its aroma made Sophie's mouth water. Hmm, this is really good, she said after the first sip. I haven't tasted coffee in years. The coffee had an intense, exotic flavor, completely different from the bland, lukewarm beverages she was used to. It seemed absurd that there was a time when people drank it every day. Its powerful intensity made her head spin. Where did you find it? she asked. Lucas smiled. A gift. The girl who works at my favorite food distribution center in the Sixth Ring is always so nice to me. Sophie wasn't surprised. So, what do you think about the infected? Lucas asked. Do you reckon it got caught? Amanda snorted. This bloody infected again? There isn't anything else to talk about? Lucas looked surprised. Are you really not worried? I just think that we're worried more than we should be, that's all. Sophie sloshed the coffee in her cup. There's no cure and no way to stop the disease. It seems to me that our concern is perfectly justified. There are ways to contain the disease. The plastic gloves? And what else, homeopathy? Sophie teased her. The doctor shrugged. Yes, plastic gloves, for example. It's a virus, and as such it has limits. There are materials in which it can propagate, and some in which it can't. I think that there's no point in talking about it as if it were a magical, mighty entity. Such an attitude won't help us combat the epidemic. It will not be over while there are still cases of the plague, Lucas said. It will not be over until the last dragon is killed, Sophie corrected him. Dying of the plague was the lesser of the two evils. Those who survived suffered worse. There was no cure. The few survivors would never go back to what they were before, nor would cease to be contagious. It was from those damned dragons the plague had come, bringing with it all this pain and destruction. If Sophie had to imagine an ideal world, it would have been a world without dragons. Lucas drank the last sip of coffee. Come on, Sophie. The police are doing all they can to get all the infected. They've already eliminated most of them. This much was true. The arrest for an infected these days was groundbreaking enough to be widely broadcasted across all media. Everybody knew, though, that the infected had a network of spies and contacts that helped them in their evil plan to spread the disease across the entire population. In any case... Amanda snapped. Living in terror is useless. Take the necessary precautions and try to move on with your life. That's the only way. Sophie swallowed what was left of her coffee. I guess it is. That evening, Sophie wished Amanda and Lucas a good weekend. When she stepped onto the crowded train that was to take her home, she could not help but stare at her fellow passengers. A lot of people, she included, wore hats and gloves to protect themselves from the rain, and many of the faces couldn't be seen very well. How many of them could be infected, and how many shoulders, how many elbows, backs, and hands had she inadvertently touched to get on the train? 
while grasping the handles to avoid falling as she scrambled to her seat. How many people had sat there before her? It was simply terrifying. Sophie welcomed the new week and the dawn of Monday morning with something like relief. She didn't feel like leaving the house during the weekend and had spent most of it watching stupid programs on television. The mindless way in which full days flowed past while she was sitting in front of the television never ceased to amaze her. She had breakfasted on lemon-flavored drink and a box of oatmeal, then took the first train to work. She met a checkpoint that screened all those who entered the third ring. A nurse in a uniform of the medical police pricked her finger and a drop of blood touched the sensor. Sophie had a moment of panic, but then the green light lit up. Go on, the nurse announced, smiling. At that hour, there were few people at the station, so it didn't take long for everyone to be screened. Sophie arrived at the medical center early... She took the elevator to the basement of the building where the center was and discovered that neither Amanda nor Lucas were in yet. Outside the door, however, quite a queue of people were already formed, so she decided to open and start receiving them. Working would distract her from the dark thoughts of the weekend. The first patient was an elderly lady with long white hair tied up in a bun and a sweet, slightly absent-minded air. She reminded Sophie of her grandmother. "'How are you today, Miss... Lumaire?' the old lady said. "'Emma Lumaire. And I'm pretty good, considering what I went through. Uh, "'What have you had?' "'At my age, by now I've had everything.' Sophie smiled and nodded. The elderly often had a very dramatic way to describe their symptoms— Often, she had the impression that they wanted to have a chat more than anything else. I came in last week and your colleague, Dr. Uh, Solarin, Sophie suggested. Yes, that's the one. Dr. Solarin sent me to some analysis and told me to come back today for the results. I'll go and get them, Sophie offered. Emma Lumaire hesitated. I had the impression she wanted to see them herself. Sophie smiled. I can go through them with you, and if you still have any doubts, we'll call Dr. Solarin. She went to the lab and found herself face to face with Lucas, who had arrived in the meantime. He looked scruffy and his hair was a little unkempt, as if he had just fell off the bed, as he probably did. And Sophie couldn't help noticing how attractive he was. She averted her gaze and began rummaging around the files of the analysis results, What she was looking for, though, seemed to be missing. "'Did you see Emma Lumaire's file?' she asked. "'Um, I think so. It sounds familiar,' he said vaguely. "'Ah, yes, of course. The urgent analysis from last week. Uh, Amanda took them.' "'Oh, I'll wait here for them,' Sophie gestured at the door. "'There was something weird about them anyway,' Lucas added. She frowned. "'What?' Lucas shrugged. Well, I don't remember. Something about strange plague antibodies. Sophie's mouth dropped. What did you say? 
Yeah, there were some antibodies that were definitely out of the ordinary. Oh, but calm down, she is not contagious, he added quickly, noticing her bewildered expression. If those tests had a positive result, I would have done the emergency procedures. I'm not stupid. No, no, of course not. Probably it wasn't anything important, but it was still worthwhile to check those tests with Amanda. Sophie saw her entering the medical center. She looked tired, with deep shadows under her eyes. Her dark skin was marked by wrinkles of fatigue and worry. Amanda, hello. Listen, you know Mrs. Lemaire's blood tests? Sophie began. Is she here? Amanda asked, her urgently grabbing her arm. Who? The Lemaire lady? Yes, of course, her. Uh, she's in there. Sophie informed her, amazed by her colleague's reaction. She's not infected, is she? She asked, alarmed. Amanda shook her head. No, no, calm down. Uh, send her to my room and go on with the other patients. I'll take it from here. Because you know Lucas said there was something wrong with her plague antibodies. Lower your voice, Amanda snapped, leaving Sophie speechless. There is nothing strange. I told you not to worry. I'm, I'm sorry, I was only trying, she began. The doctor took a breath, as if to compose herself. I know, I'm not angry with you. Just send her to my room and forget all about it, okay? Please? Sophie nodded. Oh, okay, we'll talk later, right? Amanda appeared annoyed. Sophie, really, it's nothing. Come on, hurry up, the waiting room is full. Sophie motioned to the next room where the phone began to ring. Amanda answered immediately. Solaran Medical Center? What? She paused. Now? Um, okay, yes, yes at once. At that moment a noise, distant at first, distracted them. It seemed to be getting closer and closer. A high-pitched noise, metallic, annoying, a police siren, or rather two or even a group of sirens? It was only when two men kicked down the medical center door that Sophie realized they were looking for them. Medical police, one of them said. Nobody move. We have an arrest order for Amanda Solarin. She's infected. Amanda acted before the dust of the ruined door had time to settle on the floor. She grabbed Sophie's arm and pulled her inside the room where Emma Lemaire was waiting, quickly barring the door. Oh, doctor, Emma greeted her. Just the one I was waiting for. What was that noise? Amanda ignored her, turning instead to Sophie. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry I have to drag you into this, but time is short and I have no choice. Listen. What? Are you really infected? Sophie stared horrified at Amanda's hand that kept its powerful grip on her arm. Of course not. Listen to me, I said. They mustn't take her. Under no circumstances must they take Mrs. Lumaire. Who? The medical police. They came here for her. Her blood is the key to the vaccine. Huh? Emma exclaimed, looking confused. A vaccine? But then we have to tell them. Amanda rolled her eyes. They don't want it to be created or distributed. They'll do anything to stop it. She gave her the dossier with Mrs. Lumaire's analysis. Keep her safe. They may already know her identity. In three days, Thursday at 7 p.m., go to the subway station called Stuttgart. There you will meet a man called Jamie. You will easily recognize him. He will ask for a password, which is St. George. Do you understand? In the meantime, hide in a safe place. Don't trust anybody. Get these, 
she put a few packs of drugs in her hand, and Sophie mechanically pocketed them. They'll come in handy. Someone began knocking violently at the door. Open up now. This is the police. Emma winced. What's going on? What do they want from me? Do you understand? Amanda repeated, staring Sophie in the eye. She was on the verge of tears. Hi, ha, I... I'm really sorry, but this is too important. All of our lives may depend on the blood of this woman. You must keep her hidden until you bring her to Jamie. Do you understand? Sophie nodded, sniffling. What about you? It'll be okay. Now you go. Amanda opened a cabinet where she kept the medicines. To Sophie's surprise, her colleague flicked a mechanism that made the panel and shelves shift laterally, revealing a hidden door inside. Behind it, there was a narrow, dark tunnel. Go on! Emma Lumaire seemed unsure of what to do, so Sophie pushed her inside the cabinet as fast as she could. Easy, easy, my legs! The old lady complained. Unfortunately, there was no time for apologies. As she closed the door behind her, the one at the entrance of the room opened up. Sophie realized she had failed to properly close the cabinet door, so there was a small crack left. She didn't know what to do, afraid of attracting the attention of the medical police if she shut with a noise. "'What's going on?' Lumaire asked, increasingly confused. Sophie mouthed her to be quiet. Thankfully, the frail old lady nodded, though she appeared terrified. The next moment, Sophie heard the voices of the police officers who burst into the room. She put one eye against the crack of the door, but all she could see was an empty corner of the room. Amanda Solarin, an arrest warrant was issued against you. On what grounds? Amanda's voice sounded calm and confident, but Sophie knew her well enough to realize how agitated she was. Contracting and spreading DH-16N10, the cop answered in a flat, expressionless voice. That's ridiculous. I have been screened this very morning before entering the third ring. I am clean. The policeman did not seem to hear her. Put your hands behind your head and come with us. Why? Some nervous noises followed. I told you, put your hands behind your head. Don't get closer. Stay calm. Look, I... I told you not to get closer. Sophie heard objects falling to the ground, the wheels of the stretcher rolling across the floor, then a dull, grim sound that she didn't recognize. It took her a moment to comprehend that it was the sound of someone being hit. Suddenly, Amanda fell on the floor in the very corner of the room Sophie could see. She had to clamp one hand against her mouth so as not to scream. Amanda's face was covered in blood that gushed out of her nose and trickled out of the corner of her lips. For a brief moment, their eyes met, and Sophie could read a mute plea. Go away. What are you still doing here? Then she saw Amanda dragged away, leaving a trail of blood on the disinfected floor. For a few moments, there were radio noises that communicated something unintelligible. To Sophie, the sound of objects being moved, people walking, agitated voices from the waiting room. Then the silence became heavy and almost unnatural. Emma Lemaire took Sophie's hand. We must go, my dear, she said in a gentle whisper. 
Sophie nodded, pushed the door shut with a barely audible click, and then followed the old lady down the dark alley that stretched before them. That was an excerpt from the first chapter of Dragon Plague by Anna Montavani. Anna Montavani is an Italian writer and blogger. She is passionate about everything fantasy and science fiction, and whatever is in between. She sings and plays in an electronic duo Sidonia with her husband, with her sister Maria Carla, also a sci-fi writer. She manages the blog the Montavanis, where they review books, films, and TV series. Find out more at www.themontavanis.blog. There is a link in the show notes. Also, you can find them on Facebook at The Montavanis Blog. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Now, this is the part of the podcast where I tell you how much it means for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and I encourage you to spread the word and all that jazz. But really, I don't think you're listening, and honestly, I don't blame you. However, I do have news that you will be interested in. The submission window is now open. That's right, folks. If you want to get your story read on the podcast by my melodious-toned voice, then swing on over to the website and submit your story. We can't wait to see what you have for us. Until next time, see you around.